Now, this morning, we're going to be starting the armor of God, but we do have to, we have a little bit to finish up on the uh, couple of demons to round up. Okay. So, uh, if you... find them today? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've, we've had that conversation where it's interesting how some people bind Satan, you know, and then the question is, well, why'd you ever turn him loose if you had him? <laughs> but anyway... It's one thing too in our study. Remember, Satan is not omnipresent. He cannot. He's not everywhere at once. That's that's one of those uh, attributes that only belongs to God. Okay, so the Nephilim. <laughs> they uh, they took off with your chicken. <laughs> 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 now I do have uh, a couple of uh, page twos where we're going to be out on the outline and if anybody never got page one of the Satan and his demons handout I do have that we'll, we'll take care of that uh, whoever wants them anyway if you do have the uh, the handout for the Satan, when it's on page two, the last uh, half of the page down there, and the uh, bullet point we're on is uh, just below the Nephilim, where the uh, where angels are actually angels and demons as well can take on other forms. So let's look at Revelation nine, one through twelve on that one. came prepared today. <laughs> it lives. Okay, now this, the scene here in, in Revelation 9 is the trumpet judgments, the fifth one. Revelation 9, 1. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star from heaven which had fallen to the earth, and the key to the, and, and the, key to the bottomless pit was given to him. And he opened the bottomless pit, and smoke went up out of the pit like, like the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by the smoke of the pit. And out of the smoke of the pit came locusts upon the earth, and power was given them, as the scorpions of the earth have power. And they were, they were told they would not hurt the grass of the earth, nor any green thing, nor any tree, but only the men who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. And they were not permitted to kill anyone, but to torment for five months, and their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings a man. And in those days men will seek death and will not find it. And they will, they will long to die, and death flees them. That's a bad sting. <laughs> you know. um, and the appearance of the locusts was like horses prepared for battle, and on their heads as it were crowns like gold, and their faces were like the faces of men. And they had hair like the hair of women, and their teeth were like the teeth of lions. And they had breastplates like the breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots, and many horses rushing to battle. And they have tails like scorpions, and stings in their tails, in their power to hurt men for five months. They have, they have as a king over them the angel of the abyss. 
His name in Hebrew is Abaddon. His Greek, in Greek, his name is Apollyon. The first woe is past. Behold, two woes are still after these. Now, a lot of people say, well, these are, and they try to come up with all kinds of uh, modern-day weaponry. But two things we need to look at. First of all, these things came up out of the pit, and their leader was Apollyon, Abaddon, otherwise known as Satan. Okay? So... There we have it. And these demons, now, my personal belief on this is that these are those very demons that were incarcerated, if you will, back in the days of Noah when they left their first estate. They're let out to do their torment, and we're not told, but uh, most likely they're sent right back when they're done because uh, that was their... Confinement. So anyway, that again is another form. These things are taken. There's some kind of a weird-looking creature, kind of like a locust. And remember, it looks like a locust, but they don't eat vegetation or anything like that. They just sting like a scorpion. So, but then again, uh, that's something we may get into later on. We'll see how our study on prophecy develops over the next few weeks, months, and see where it takes us. Now, also, we know, um, while we're here, I'll skip. We, we all know that Satan entered Judas Iscariot. Okay, we know that. Uh, we won't turn there. We're in Revelation, so Satan will empower the Antichrist and the false prophet in the tribulation period. In Revelation 13, 1 through 15, I won't read all that, but it's almost, it's, it's interesting. It's almost like between Satan, the antichrist and the false prophet it's kind of like there's an unholy trinity formed during that period where where the antichrist is uh, empowered by satan himself not just any run-of-the-mill demon but it's uh it's satan himself that empowers him and also works with the false prophet but again that's a study for another day now this is important too. Satan and his demons know God and fear him. Right? They know who God is and fear him. James 2.19. You can probably quote that one, right? Or at least paraphrase it. Yeah. If you believe, that's good, right? The demons believe and they tremble. They shudder. They're scared. All right? We saw this in a, a couple of Sundays ago where uh, Will went through it. They know Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. Remember in Mark 1, Mark 5? Um, well, let's go there. Let's go back there. It's worth worth looking at again um, because on more than one occasion when, when uh, Jesus confronted the demonic world, they, uh, they spoke back at him. They spoke to him, I should say. Mark 1, 23 and 24... <coughs> And just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, What do we have to do with you? Now just listen to the words. He said, Jesus of Nazareth, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. There, you almost, you've heard the term, a left-handed compliment? Well, this is, if you will, a left-handed testimony to the person of Christ. The demonic world knows exactly who 
Jesus is. Okay? They know exactly who it is because, and they also know that one day Jesus will be the very one that judges them and confines them to their permanent dwelling place, which we will see in a moment. And in Mark 5, 6, this is the account of the, uh, remember the demoniac in the in Gennesaret when they, they came across the lake and remember the, says, the unclean spirit that was in him. He says, what's your name? He said, our name, he says, our name is Legion because we, my name is Legion because we are many. Okay. Um, and I'm going to pick it up in verse 7 of, of chapter 5 here. And, um, and crying out with a loud voice, he said, what do I have to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God, do not torment me. For he had been saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And he was asking him, what is your name? He said, my name is Legion, for we are many, and began to entreat him honestly not to send them out of the country. That's interesting. So there was the herd of swine. And then verse 12, he said, and the demons entreated him, saying, send us into the swine so that we may enter them. And look, verse 13, and he gave them permission. Mm-hmm. See that? He gave them permission, and coming out of the unspeed, they entered the swine, and we know the rest of the story. The swine over the hill and down into the drink, and that's the end of them. Did that kill the demons then? No. No. It uh, sure messed up the pig's day, oh, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but uh, No. Now, now, demons don't die that easy. Matter of fact, they're, they're not actually going to be killed. They're going to be sent for eternity into the lake of fire. So for, in uh, Matthew 4.10, this one's interesting too, because uh, this is now the temptation of Christ by Satan. And Matthew 4.10, and when the... When the temptation was over, and again, remember how Jesus responded to every temptation. Satan tempted him. Jesus replied with scripture. Temptation, scripture, verse 10, when it was all done. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan. You should see an exclamation point at the end of that, be gone, Satan. That's the equivalent of saying, get out. That was not a suggestion. That was a command. Okay, that was a command that Satan followed. He says, Be gone, Satan, or get out of here, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and began to minister to him, or to serve him. So, there you have it. So he, he even has the power to order them around. And also Matthew 8, our last bullet point under this section is demons know that they will face the final judgment Matthew 8 28 and 29 and here we are back to the same group in the gathering here's Le- our Opal Legion again okay and uh, when he had come to the other side of the, the county the, the, the Gadarenes two men were with were with them. Mark and Luke give this discussion as if there's one, but there was actually two. And he said, well, isn't that a, oh, Scripture's wrong, got to throw away Scripture. No. Often what you're going to have is when you have one speaking, primarily, the one that identified himself as we are legion, 
you go with the one guy. But there's actually two men running around there. Uh, if you think life up in that area isn't bad enough, there's two of these guys running around. And uh, so anyway, don't let, that, don't let stuff like that bother you. There is a logical, plausible explanation for these things. And that's this one. Two men who were d- demon-possessed met him, and they were coming out of the tombs. And they exceedingly violent. No one, could, no one could pass by the road. And behold, they cried out, saying, What do we have to do with you, Son of God, if you come to torment us before our time? Okay, now... Now, there was a distant herd and all that. Again, I guess I didn't need to put that one in there. But what I thought was interesting to this, if you drop all the way down, the reaction to unbelievers about his power, look at verse 34. It says, Behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they entreated him, like that's begged him, implored him, asked him, hey, you know, to depart from their region. Interesting. You know, you would think that they'd be happy that these two guys are no longer harassing people on that road, right? But I find that interesting, I guess. But what that kind of – there's an old phrase, I don't know, that where you, you talk about people having so much power or authority, it's kind of scary. Jesus' power was kind of scary to unbelievers, Think about somebody that had that kind of power over demons. Then one might think, gee whiz, what did that guy do to me? <laughs> but because of their unbelief, that, that kind of power just scared them. And asked them, just please go, go. <laughs> when they asked Jesus to leave the region, was that just after they had lost their herd of pigs? If it was their herd, but it was the whole town that came out. Somebody yeah, somebody did. Yeah, he was really out that day. <laughs> but, but the whole town, they were just like, they just leave the region. Leave the region. We don't know why. I'm thinking because they, they, they were frightened of him. They couldn't. These were, remember, that area across was a Gentile area. That was not part of the Israel. On that side of the, you look on your Israel maps and your Bibles, there's a. It's on the other side of the Jordan. Yeah. It's it's uh, it would be the east bank of the uh, Sea of Galilee over there. Okay. Now, and Matthew twenty five and Revelation twenty. I think we, I don't think we need to turn there. I think we're all well aware that the Satan and his demons will in fact spend eternity in the lake of fire. And you can look that one up now. Ephesians chapter 6. In spite of the demons. (laughs) We'll be attempting Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of the darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenlies. Therefore, 
Take up the full armor of God that you may able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Okay, finally, that word finally draws attention to the importance of Paul's to the Paul's last the last of his exhortations which began in four in chapter 4 verse 1. Okay? I'm going to just pop back there real quick where it says I therefore and again the therefore then is moving us beyond and tying us tying us back to what was said in the first 3 chapters actually where he was teaching us doctrine where we came from about the church our place in the church and now based upon that information he says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, entreat you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing forbearance to one another in love, being <clears throat> diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And then we just move through this whole section. He gives us one exhortation after another of things that we need to do and look out for. And then we get to, uh, we look through the family relationships. And now we get to verse 10, which says, finally, um, be strong in the Lord. Now, that word be strong literally literally could be translated be strengthened. Now, this is a present imperative, and we know what that means, right? It's something that's to be done on a continuous basis. Just don't stop being strengthened. Keep being strengthened. And this whole section is going to tell us how we pull that off. We've already had some discussion on that, some very important discussion on it, which we're going to refer to in a minute. Be strong, but not just strong, but in the Lord and in the strength of his might. In other words, not in your own flesh. This is not something we can do, we can bring up in and of ourselves. Our strength has to come from the Lord. Now, how do do we do that? Well, number one, being that we're in the Lord... We must continue to draw of his power, not ours. Remember 5.8, where it says, and this is, this is a neat passage, Ephesians 5.8, For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. See, again, continuing that exhortation, walk in a worthy manner. We are, we are the light. Walk as children of the light. And so it says our strength is in the Lord. Now let's compare that with Ephesians 5.18. Do not get drunk with wine, for this is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Anybody remember what being filled with the Spirit actually means? Colossians uh, 3.16 might be a good good help to that. I know it's being described as a lot of things these days, but what is it really? Colossians 3.16, <clears throat> where it says, Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Let's back up again to 5.18. It says, be filled with the Spirit. And then verse 19, it says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks. It reads right with Colossians. So therefore, the obvious conclusion is, being filled with the Spirit is the exact same thing 
as letting the word of Christ richly dwell within you. And we're going to see the word of God is going to be all over and all through the armor. Okay? Um, <clears throat> and then for uh, Ephesians 4.11 to 18 says, He gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, for the building up of the body, so that we may all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to measure the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, the craftiness and deceitful schemings. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects unto him who is the head, even Christ, for whom the whole body being fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Again, there are folks dedicated to this. We had apostles, prophets, uh, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Okay, These people were gifts to the church for the purpose of raising up the body. And we can't go back on that discussion, who they are. And so those that are uh, of those positions, we know that evangelists uh, exist, I believe, as we call them missionaries today. Uh, we have um, uh, pastors and teachers. The, uh, they exist, obviously. <laughs> and they're, that's the, the, num- the number one responsibility of pastors, elders, if you will. Because remember, we, we did that study. There's three terms used for the office. We've got elder, pastor, and then <laughs> bishop. No, overseer, actually. And what is, what is It's one that overseer watches. I, th- I always think of uh, the watchman, Ezekiel, watching over the nation. The, the watchmen, uh, pastors are, are watchmen, taking care. Why? You never know where false, these schemes are going to enter in. You never know where they're going to enter in. And they're responsible to see that we have um, solid, biblically-based teaching. Why? Because it's important that we let the word of Christ dwell within us richly not some perversion of it you see that's where the that's where the, all the false religions basically come from some perversion of the word of god and um see, look at also john's john uh, the gospel of john chapter 15 one of the another i believe another metaphor for the church We've got the body of Christ as a metaphor of the church. We have the building, the temple, a metaphor of the church. Here we have the vine and the branches. <clears throat> now this Again, this is part of that upper room discourse just prior to the uh, crucifixion. Jesus says to the, 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 the 11 at this point, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he has taken away, and every branch that bears fruit, he, he prunes, that it may bear fruit. Sometimes that means you lose the chicken out of your sandwich. <laughs> That's the pruning. <laughs> you know, That's trials. <laughs> okay? You, you are already clean because, because of the word which I have spoken to you. That's the key to understanding this passage. Talking to the 11, you are already clean. Because of the word I have spoken to you, all right? 
So this is spoken, this is, applies to believers. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That's what is being, was being spoken of. You know, uh, we must do things in, the, in his power, in strengthened in his might, not ours, see? Um, verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away, and there's a branch to dry it up and gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned up. Okay, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it shall be done for you. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. <clears throat> if you keep, keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. So again, if we are going to be successful in our Christian life, we must keep stuck, connected to the vine. Okay? Keep drawing from his strength. We're drawing from his strength, which comes through his word. Okay? It, it, it just it all, all ties together. It all goes together. I mean, the, the, the consistent message throughout the New Testament it's just that. It's very consistent. His word is his word is king when it comes to doing what we need to do and acting how we need to act. And you know, truth versus error. Again, remember the um, the analogy of uh, counterfeit currency. They're trained by getting to know everything there is to know about the real currency, so they can spot a phony bill. You know, uh, so. That's, that's basically what we need to do. Just learn the word to the point that false doctrines just kind of, they show themselves up. You know, it's like, well, wait a minute. You ever had those situations, you hear something, and it's like, wait a minute, this does not sound right? That's the word saying, time out here. There's something not right. See, it's going to ring. Truth will ring true. It will. And error will clunk. <laughs> okay, a little, the, little theological term there. I love that the next section in 3 verse 12, you know, talking about abiding in and um, keeping my commandments. And then he kind of goes into a commandment of what we should be doing. Um, it's like a manifestation of, of what's in your heart is coming out and serving the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the fleshy reaction is, ugh. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I love that he follows that up with, this is what should happen. This is what you should do. Yeah. And, you know, and again, that's a consistent theme throughout the New Testament as well. I mean, we, you know, we saw it through, you know, the church, love one another, love one another, which that love, that agape love, which means be totally committed to each other. Okay. 
until we all reach that unity as in the faith. Yeah. We're all in different, yeah, stages, stages of development in, in our sanctification process, right? You know, three, three, basically three, three parts to this salvation, right? <clears throat> Justification at the conversion, we're made right before God. Sanctification, beginning at that very point and moving us, and as we live our life, if we are truly believers. We will see marked improvement from where we began to as we climb. Yeah, there's going to be ups and downs, kind of like the Dow chart. A lot of downs. But anyway, ups, ups and downs uh, as we move, move through life. But overall, it's going to be an overall increase in spiritual growth. Okay? And then that final phase is the glorification phase, when we get our new glorified body and we're living in the eternal state. Okay, so, you know, and that's, that's it. again, we're in that sanctification process. <laughs> it is a process. You know, that's why it's good to be happy and, you know, and <clears throat> it's like sometimes I think, you ever been in some churches look like grumpy people? I don't know, you ever been in one of those? You know, it's like everybody was baptized in lemon juice or something, you know. <laughs> I don't know, but I you know. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. Okay. And do you think we need to? Yes, we need to proceed. All right. <clears throat> Verse eleven of chapter six. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Well. We spent a few weeks looking at the devil and his cohorts. Put on is an aorist imperative. Well, why did I even say that? Because it's kind of important. <laughs> Which implies put it on and keep it on. Aorist is a point, speaks of an, a point action, something that happens in a point of time. An imperative is a command. So you put the two together. It says, hey, put this armor on with the strong implication and keep it on. Remember, the analogy is to a soldier's armor, okay? And we're going to see as we go through, but I'm going to jump ahead a little bit just to let you know the battle we are in never stops. It's, it's ongoing. So never take off the armor is the point. Leave it on. Um, <clears throat> the full armor, again, emphasizing every piece of the armor, all of it, not just some of it, all of the armor. Put it on. Keep it on. Don't leave anything off. Then stand firm. Again, another military term, having the idea of of uh, of holding your position, like in a in a critical in 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 the heat of battle, hold that position. Don't give ground. All right. That that's the thought of standing firm. And then the schemes of the devil. We know that schemes. Methodia, where we get our terms method. Look at the English word method comes out of that one, and it's this term, though, means speaks of cunning, craftiness, and deception. What we saw about the schemes of the devil in, in uh, well, Ephesians 4.14, uh, mention it again, it mentions it here. Does anybody remember John 8.44? John 8.44, I'll, I'll read it very quickly. 
hopefully quicker than I get there. 844, Jesus speaking to his enemies, scribes, Pharisees, and so forth. I'll pick up verse 43. Why do you not understand what I'm saying? It's because you cannot hear my word. Remember, Satan blinds those that, uh, right? You are of your father, the devil, and you want to do and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. And we know just the opposite, right? In our study of Satan as demons, he doesn't stand in the truth. Why? Because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And um, <clears throat> and I put it the thing. I don't think we have to go back to it, my another little supplement. That is, remember Eve <laughs> in uh, Genesis three one through six. And we know who that we know who that serpent really was, don't we? And see, he worked that cunning craftiness on her, and um, <clears throat> just faked her right out of her socks. Well, of course, she wasn't wearing any socks, but if she had them on, she'd have been faked right out of them. Okay, so that's just got her right there. Now the devil, and we know the devil. We're not going to turn there, but I just but he's the god of this world, the rule of this world. And don't forget what like Peter reminds us in First Peter five eight, he is our adversary. Okay? He is our adversary. He is the enemy within this realm of the spiritual forces. Now, verse verses twelve through thirteen, it says, For our our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world world forces of the darkness against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. We went through those. We know that those are, speaking of angelic beings, primarily demonic beings in this context. We saw that. We, we saw the demonic beings uh, in, uh, remember, Daniel chapter 10. Um, we'll probably be looking at them again later on. They have a, they influence nations, national leaders, and um, <clears throat> as much as I hate to say it, I'm thoroughly convinced they're influencing many of ours. Okay? <clears throat> hey, it's just a matter of by their fruits you will know them, right? If they promote satanic things, what am I to assume? But they are being influenced by demonic forces. Okay. Right? Yes, but that's the way. That's the way the world's going to go. It's just going to, like Jesus said, it's just things. Things are just going to keep going worse and worse and worse. Little spurts of betterness in isolated places, but overall, mankind is just going to keep degrading himself and failing. Okay, once again, it says our bottle, our, bar, our battle, bottle, our battle is not against flesh and blood. Again, reminding us that our battle is beyond humanity. Although we know that his deception does work through humans, okay? His, his human forces are out here uh, promoting his false doctrines, false teachings, um, Things that would weaken society, 
okay, under the, under the guise of being good. That's what really uh, amazes, amazes me about the, the extent of the error where they can make something so, well, this whole abortion thing, if, if, you're, uh, if you don't know about it, <laughs> you don't have a radio or a TV, <laughs> but uh, leaking the, uh, the, the, the judicial opinion and the big foo going about it where and then the reaction of the senate majority leader was to put out a bill uh to make a law for all 50 states that abortion should be legalized at all the way up until the very day of birth that and they got 49 votes in favor. That shows you the depth of depravity in our country, in our nation. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway. Now, verse 12, because uh, the, the rulers against the rulers refers again to demonic forces. Verse 13, therefore, based upon that, therefore, take up the full armor of God. Again, just adding, uh, uh, oh, what's the word? <sighs> Emphasis to the point, you know, where it says, "Be strong, put on the armor." We're, we're we're not fighting against mere human beings here. I mean, the big, the real enemy is satanic, and they're going to be satanically inspired. Therefore, take up the full armor of God again. Just impressing this point to us um, again. Another aorist imperative. Take up, just like put on in sixteen in six eleven, um, the armor of God. Again, it's required to fight. The armor of God is required to fight that spiritual battle. Battle. It's not uh, <clears throat> armaments of man. Okay. Resist in the evil day. Well, again, resist means stand your ground. Uh, in the evil day, uh, I just put in the notes here because, quite frankly. In a post-Genesis 3 world, every day is an evil day. I mean, we, we, by this, when we, we go back to our study of Satan and his demons, who is, who is described as the prince and power of the air? Satan. Who's, who's called on another passage the, the ruler of this world? Satan. So, you know, what do you expect? For now... Yeah. Again, God is the ruler of the universe and thankfully does put limitations on Satan because just imagine just what we now know about Satan over the past two and a half, three weeks. What would he do if there were no fences put around him? Oh, you think you know, we don't we don't know what bad is. OK, uh, some folks in the tribulation period are going to find out, though. Say, don't we see a picture of that in Revelation? In the tribulation period, it's going to really increase. But and even in even then, God is going to put certain limitations. Yeah, it's... We may have to go there and look at that <laughs> one day. And why? That you may be able to stand, again, through his power. His power. Stand firm. Okay, stand firm. And again, how? By putting on the armor. And I want to read through that in closing. And I think we, my golly, we, we actually did good. 
Yes. Our adversary is Satan, but Jesus is our advocate. And greater is Jesus than he that is in the world. That's right. So we have to keep on that full armor of God. Right. To have that And that's how we that's how we tap that resource. And we know there's a lot of things that could be said that, like, we know one thing, too. Uh, we know that as believers, I think we all know that we have what is called eternal security, preservation of the saints. You know, uh, I don't like this term necessarily, but once saved, always saved. Um, it's a true statement. I don't care for the term because it kind of gives the idea to some folks that it's like a license to, oh, you know, now I can do, save, now I can do anything I want. That's why I don't use that one much <laughs> because of that. But, um, <clears throat> but even in spite of that, uh, <clears throat> we're called to serve Christ, okay? And Satan, while Satan cannot take our salvation away or even cause us to lose it or give it away, throw it away, one thing he can do is neutralize us and that is our battle is not to get neutralized not to fall victim to one of his schemes okay by getting let off into some into sin or some foolish doctrine someplace um, that would cause us to just be dysfunctional as his people and so that's why it's important that we just just learn the word stay in the word and put on that armor which is described in verses 14 through 17 which I'd like to close with I'll start with 13 therefore take up the full armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm stand firm therefore having your having girded your loins with truth having put on the breastplate of righteousness having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, take up the shield of faith, which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming missiles of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Okay? And then based upon that, another resource to all that, verse 18, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And with that, we'll close. <coughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time. We thank you for your word, and Lord, our prayer for us is that we abide and listen, abide in you and listen to the words you have given us today through your apostle Paul that we would indeed be wise and that we would put on the armor of God we would learn your word live by your word in Jesus name amen